What is happening, everyone? Welcome again to The Window, Canada Sports Betting Podcast. Ahead on today's episode of The Window, round two, where are you? The Leafs can't punch their ticket to the next round, while the Canes can. We've got a Game 7 tonight in Sin City, but three playoff series to preview this weekend, even if we don't quite yet have a dance partner for the Avalanche. Who's the Con Smythe favorite for each team, and an update on the wheel, why the first weekend was nothing but trouble. Plus, the Bucks truck, the Blazers suck, and a look ahead to every game this weekend in the NBA playoffs. It's time to head to the window. Let's go! Welcome to The Window. I'm your host, Matt Russell. Happy Memorial Day long weekend to our friends in the United States and happy regular weekend to those of us up north of the border here in Canada. And speaking of the north, we got to start in a massive show here. Here for a good time and a long time today. Uh, Montreal and Toronto last night. Montreal goes up to nothing and we talked about how this price went from plus you know 200 down to plus 180 and if it got back to plus 190 or plus 200 that would hit the five to six percent threshold that we're looking for in order to make a bet now it was going to be an uncomfortable bet because montreal just doesn't score in this series well sure enough right they get the goals early on go up two nothing well then three to nothing but it was immediately answered back to three to one so it's a two goal game for an extended period of time yesterday and I'm kicking myself because I only put a half unit on the Habs I was able to get a plus 212 was the best number that I was able to find and you know of course Toronto comes back and forces overtime but Montreal gets the game winning goal on a two on oh in overtime but again the expected goals for here 2.42 to 1.92 and 15 to 9 in the high danger chances which is the highest both totals have been right so this was a game that theoretically was played more towards the Leafs pace where they were the ones getting more of the high danger chances both teams got a ton of them but in this case and this is sort of this strange situation here where Montreal converts on three of nine high danger chances but what do they do right they put the puck towards the net they just sort of get it into the crease and then sort of bang away and I think maybe what they've seen and maybe this could be sort of the case for every goaltender but if you put traffic in front of the net you put the puck in front of the net you know Jack Campbell you know raises up his pads he he gets off on a bad angle and all of a sudden right the puck is just sliding in now Toronto got one of those goals as well that was their one high danger chance one of 15 for Toronto and really the takeaway here is that the Leafs still got the quote-unquote non-high danger chance, the quote-unquote fluke goals in this game, right? Both Jake Muzzin's goals were Carey Price doesn't really know where the puck is. The first one via a screen, it goes, you know, off the post and in another point shot that just sort of finds its way through four or five guys. And when we talked about Montreal's chances of winning this series or winning individual games in this series, we talked about how like they need to keep the high danger chances down and they need to win the sort of garbage goal the non-high danger chance battle and toronto wins that yesterday two nothing with that muzzin goal and then the deflection off the rush where you know listen he's trying to get his stick on the puck i guess right to deflect it and that's kind of the point because you're going to confuse the goaltender with the angle change but Carey Price, it's not like he was in bad position. He's in perfect position with the exception of literally like one inch, uh, you know, a one inch gap between his pads. And the puck just happens to find that, right? Like that puck after deflected, after the deflection could go literally anywhere, right? Could go left pad, could go right pad, could go up and do his chest protector, right? Could go a variety of places, but it just happens to go the one place where he just doesn't, you know, have it tight together, which, you know, again, is not part of the plan for Muzzin. Like the first one, you could at least make the case, okay, he's shooting it on goal. He knows there's a bunch of people in front, right? He's hoping for a good bounce on that deflection. Like, yes, he's trying to deflect it, but like, from a just luck standpoint from Montreal's side of things, right? From Price's side of things. Yeah, he's sitting there going like, that puck could have gone anywhere and it just happened to go right there at that moment. And so, 
you know, really kind of an impressive bounce back. And, you know, listen, it's a two on O, right? You should convert that. And it was awfully close to getting botched by Suzuki, right? Like, again, game of inches. We talked about how, like, the Cole Caulfield, you know, crossbar in the in game three it was. You know, we talked about how that, you know, if that goes off the crossbar and down, maybe we're talking about a different game, right? And so in this case, it, Suzuki could have hit the post on that two on O and then who knows what happens after that, but it goes in, in this case. And so that's the difference in the game. Again, a game that if you're Montreal, at least you're now seeing the puck go in the net, you're converting a lot of your high danger chances here, obviously in sort of outlier number at 33.3, 33, 33%, uh, with three out of nine. But again, carry price is outstanding. You know, again, flute goals are happening to him. It's just one of those things where, you know, you can go back to the series last year in the playoffs against Philadelphia where price was outstanding and Montreal was hitting posts over and over and over again and Philadelphia would get the deflection goals right shin pad goals one puck went off a post off his back and back into the net right it's just like that unfortunate luck now hopefully for Montreal that turns around at some point but you know that you can't rely on on that to just all of a sudden turn around so interesting now that we have a quote-unquote series right we go to game six on the weekend we'll talk a little bit more of that in just a second but we do have to talk about carolina and nashville four overtimes in a row talked about the overtime element could have again could have been five overtimes in a row if nashville had scored one goal in game two and who knows right who knows how this series would have necessarily gone as as such we we never know uh, 1.87 expected goals for to 1.78 in the slight favor of Carolina. 10 to 9 high danger chances at even strength for the slight favor of Nashville. So yet another incredibly evenly played game. Both teams convert two of those high danger chances. The game winning goal doesn't come on one of those, right? Um, Ajo with a slight deflection when it comes to the game winner. The series ends 2.37 to 1.78 in the expected goals for, for Carolina. So again, the better team at even strength, 9.83 high danger chances, 8.5 average high danger chances, all at even strength in this one in favor of Carolina. They convert on eight of their 59 total high danger chances and Nashville converts on eight of their 51 high danger chances. So again, right, like the difference there, Soros keeping them in it, stopping those extra eight. But in the end, right, like we're talking about four games that went to overtime and one that just about did. Very, very close series here, but Carolina moves on to face Tampa Bay, which again we'll talk about here shortly. We do have big fish to fry tonight. Minnesota and Vegas talked at length about it yesterday. I don't know that you need me to go over the sort of general strategy there, but we have seen this number from a money line standpoint, this price move back up to plus 160, right? So again, the market opens game seven at plus 145 for Minnesota and Vegas gets bet up to that appropriate price that has been you know essentially been priced for the uh, other games in this series in Las Vegas so totally fine with that it's still not the plus 200 to 215 that we are rolling into this game with with our series bet so again nothing has changed from our strategy from yesterday of just letting that series bet go and obviously hoping for the best because the first round has been outstanding for us and hopefully that continues to be the case and so from a metric standpoint we're talking about um you know, 50 high danger chances for Minnesota to 45 over the course of this series. Both teams converting four of those. Um, 1.7 to 1.85 in the slight favor of Vegas. So again, Minnesota has the high danger chance uh, lead, if you will. And Vegas has slightly more in the expected goals for having a lot to do with possession and general shot totals and that sort of thing. So again, what do we say, right? Evenly played series. That was our expectation. That's why we took Minnesota at the price that we took Minnesota, both in game one and for the series. And that's why we're sitting here with a plus 200 to 215, depending on what price you got on that series price. And so that's all we can do. And again, hopefully it's an evenly played game tonight. And, you know, hopefully Minnesota gets that extra bounce, right? And it would be great if they won five to nothing and completely dominated. But I think there's some realistic, <laughs> some realism here, if you will, where it's just like, okay, this is going to be just kind of potentially a brutal game here where, you know, all these games basically have gone under 
Uh, I think literally all of them have gone under. There might have been one that hasn't, but I'm pretty sure all of them have gone under. So again, every goal matters, and when every goal matters, right, every bounce matters. So we'll see what happens tonight. Um, in game seven, uh, Saturday night, game six, right? Talked about Toronto and Montreal. So the difference here, 2,500 fans for Montreal. I don't know that this actually means anything with regards to the outcome of the game. One thing it does do is it kind of jams up a theory that I was going to have that I had holstered here for two rounds from now, because when we get to the point where I'm going to use the example for Toronto, but maybe it's Winnipeg, maybe it's even Montreal, you know, whatever team gets out of the uh, North division, you know, people are going to say like, oh, they're not going to be used to having to, you know, play against, against fans as if the fans are like actually on the ice. To me, I'm kind of the opposite on that, right? Like the first time you're going to be in a full house, like I think that's actually going to be a boon to you, even if it's the road team, right? Like it's going to add energy for you. And so I don't know that there's any sort of extra advantage here for Montreal because they have 2,500 fans. That's certainly not enough to make any sort of, you know, noise, real difference, right? Real affectation on the game. And so from a series standpoint, 2.08 to 1.48, 8.8 high danger chances to 6.2 on average in favor of Toronto, both teams with five high danger chance goals, right? All of a sudden Montreal with three out of nine in the game last night, all of a sudden, they have the same amount in 31 high danger chances to Toronto's 44. So 5 out of 44 for Toronto, 5 out of 31 for Montreal. And again, so you can see how one game can totally skew everything when it comes to, you know, kind of working on these averages, right? Because now all of a sudden it looks like, oh, 1 out of 6 on high danger chances for Montreal. Looks like that's a pretty good ratio, right? Where going into this game, it was pretty ugly at two out of 22. So again, what to expect from Saturday night's game? You know, who knows? That being said, we've been on Montreal at plus 150 or better um, in the previous two games in Montreal. I don't know why we wouldn't necessarily do that yet again. And again, I think we'll get a better price by the time Saturday night rolls around. Uh, a better price than plus 150. Why? Because we have all, you know, every other game, right? We have seen the Toronto money come in over and over and over again, predicting it before it happens and then watching it happen like we did yesterday. As for the rest of it, the second round, we got to dig into a little second round quasi preview here. As they say in hockey, let's do that hockey. All right, let's dive into the second round games starting on Saturday, the Islanders and the Boston Bruins. And we have a good news, bad news setup, right, that we talked a little bit about yesterday here. And we'll start with the bad news because you always want to start with the bad news is we still don't really know a true rating that we can rely on for the Boston Bruins, right? And that's the same situation that we had going in to that Capitals series. We just knew you know, that somewhere in between Pickham and like minus 200 was an appropriate number for Boston, which again, doesn't really tell us anything. We watched the series price for Washington open around minus 150. You know, maybe there was even some minus 140 out there. And then just watch it shoot up, up and up and up until eventually it was like minus 175 by the time that first game rolled around. And that's because nobody knows how to evaluate Boston at this point. And five games go by against Washington. And, you know, I think we certainly think that they're, a, you know, maybe leaning to a better team than an average team, you know, the way that these numbers are sort of shaking out. And so, listen, so fundamentally, they were at, you know, after the trade deadline, they were an 80 in my ratings, right? It's not really all that important to know what that means, but basically it means that, you know, they're going to win uh, against an average team sort of 80% of the time, which like is an incredibly high rating and just not something that's sustainable, right? So we know that going in and that's just how good they were after the trade deadline with Taylor Hall, Smith, uh, I'm already forgetting who the other guy that they picked up. Oh, Lazar was in the mix there. Um, but, you know, so fundamentally it's like, okay, we know that they can't be that high. Well, we go, okay, well, what were they for the full season? Well, for the full season, they were a 54, which means 54% of the time on a neutral, you know, ice situation that they're going to win against an average, a dead average team. And you go, okay, well, that's probably pretty low because this team's pretty good here. But you know what? They weren't good at the start of the season, which is why this number 
is what it is, which is why it is relatively low, right? It needed to be boosted by that last month of the season to get up to 54, right? So, okay, we know they're not a 54, right? We know that they're better than that. And we know that like no team is an 80, right? So it's gotta be somewhere in between. And so you go, okay, like this is a really unpredictable type of a price here. So now we gotta kind of work backwards, right? And so we open up the, the book um, what, yesterday, the day before, essentially whenever this line was opened, um, I guess it would have been yesterday with the Islanders surviving uh, late on Wednesday night. And we open it up and the opening price is minus 240 plus 200. So, okay, we got to work our way backwards here, right? What does that mean for a rating? We can figure out what the sports book is rating this team based on that number. So I quickly grab my, you know, I've got my 80, I've got my 54, and I go, okay, well, let's just start here, trial and error style, and let's just meet in the middle, right? And so in the middle of 80 and 54 is 67, right? 13 down, 13 up. So 67, which is a really high price, which essentially means that a team would be minus 200 uh, in an average game, or I should say a, a neutral site game against an average team. So you go hey, that's probably a little bit high here. And, you know, what that translates out to, again, is about minus 200, minus 208 specifically um, at 67. And so obviously the books are leaning even slightly higher than that because a lot of that is public perception, right? People are going to want to bet on the Bruins. And then sure enough, we watch the Bruins number go up to minus 260 and the Islanders plus 215. Right. And so now, even if that number is exactly halfway in between the season rating and the end of the season rating, right, the post deadline, I call it the Taylor Hall rating, even though there's other guys involved, you know, the Taylor Hall rating is really, really high here. It's never going to be that high, but they are obviously leaning the price towards that Taylor Hall rating, which I don't think is particularly correct, but I understand why they're doing it because they know people want to buy, bet on the Boston Bruins. Right. They saw the money that, you know, they have a sort of trial and error thing here. Right. Where they see the money coming in the first round. They go, well, everybody was betting on Boston like they're going to want to do it again. So, like, let's put this number really high. And so even if their rating is 208, the same way my rating is 208, my, my pricing off of the rating, I should say, is 208 minus 208 or plus 208. Right. In an even price. They already know going in, they're going like we can go higher than that. And that's what they put it at minus 240 and plus 200. And again, doesn't matter, right? People bet Boston on top of that, even though, right, like that price is probably too high. So if you're just kind of showing up and you're going, okay, like what's value here? Islanders at, you know, plus 210 or better is the value here. And so now we're seeing plus 215. So they're like, okay. But here's the good news, right? We talked that was the bad news. We don't really know what the rating is. It's kind of all over the map. Everybody's just kind of guessing, right? It's up to your own sort of personal interpretation. The good news is we already have the Bruins plus 71, excuse me, plus 171 to win the division, to come out of the East, right? We talked about it yesterday, like the good part, one of the good parts of this new system is that you have a futures market for after two rounds. And we have the Bruins to win the Stanley Cup at 12 to one. And we have this at plus 171. So we don't need to really do anything, right? Like we have an incredibly good number going into this. Part of that is because the Islanders beat the Penguins and you know, the Bruins wouldn't be this high of a favorite against the Penguins, even if we think that they should be, right? Like it's sort of a catch 22. On the one hand, you know, we would probably have really great value on the Bruins in this, uh, in a series against Pittsburgh, but that's why. That's why we grabbed this plus 171 to win the division when we could because we, we felt pretty strongly about the Bruins to beat the Capitals, and we felt pretty strongly about the Islanders to beat the Penguins. And so we knew that this matchup was very much a possibility and that there would be a ton of value should those two teams win their respective series the way that we thought that they could. So as for game one, if that middle ground number is correct, if my middle ground number of minus 208 is correct, then this game price needs to be 138, right? Just straight mathematics should be 138. So minus 138 for Boston on a neutral and 138 for the Islanders on a neutral. 
well, it's obviously in Boston here. And so, you know, you have to jump up, a, say, 5%, if you will. You know, everybody kind of has their own interpretation of home ice advantage. And so now you get something closer to minus 150. Well, the price right now, minus 160 plus 140. So there, again, there kind of isn't any value here, right? Because again, the Bruins have this little bump in their price that you know your people are asking to pay and you're just going, okay, there's just nothing there from a value standpoint. So we sit here with Boston and we talked yesterday a little bit and hopefully I was able to kind of spell it out, but like the difference between a long-term bet and a game-to-game bet, right? Whereas the Islanders, we didn't want anything to do with them long-term, but we were all about betting them game-to-game in round one. So for the Bruins, we have done all of our work already, right? We have done the work to get this series price at a plus 171 based on the division futures. And we have done our work with regards to the Stanley Cup futures. And, you know, who knows what's going to happen with the next round. We'll sort of cross that bridge when we come to it. Maybe that's a Boston in every game. Maybe that's, you know, the team, whomever they're playing um, in the next round. Maybe that's an every game situation. Point is here, unless there's some drastic change in pricing one way or another, We've kind of already done what we're going to, you know, that we wanted to do here by getting Boston at a good series price. Um, You know, again, maybe there's going to be some certain spots here. If Boston wins the first two games, maybe the Islanders in game three are going to be that, you know, that type of a play. Something that isn't directly in contrast with our general idea here of the Bruins winning this series. So, you know, again, not that exciting. You know, none of these series, by and large, are going to be that exciting as the first round, because obviously from a volume standpoint, you have eight first round series. That's super cool. Um, You've got certain favorites that you like. You've got certain underdogs that you like, game to game stuff, all of that sort of thing. But that's why that's so exciting, because you get to put yourself and try to buy yourself into positions like Boston plus 171 for this series. We get to do that. And that's why that pre-playoff preview is so important. Next series, Tampa Bay and Carolina. This one's a little bit more straightforward, right? I think we have a pretty good handle on these teams' ratings, you know, both throughout the regular season going into the playoffs and then what we saw from them in the playoffs. And the truth of the matter is they're really, really close, right? Tampa Bay's regular season season rating was a 59.4 and Carolina was a 60.4. So literally one percentage, essentially, difference between the two. And by the way, that should tell you how ridiculous an 80 is for the Taylor Hall version of the Boston Bruins, right? Like that's how unsustainable that is for an extended period of time. And I don't think they played to that rating, by the way, against the Washington Capitals, right? So, you know, again, when we're talking about dipping Boston down to a 67, like that's still a really, really good rating, given that these teams, again, who have a longer, um, you know, sort of sample size, if you will, are what they are here. The thing with Tampa Bay here is that 59.4 does not, you know, factor in Kucherov and Stamkos. And so, you know, how much more, you know, how higher up can you give that? Um, Factor in also Carolina with home ice advantage for game seven, right? Do those two things sort of counteract each other? And if Tampa Bay had swept Florida, if they had been discernibly better at even strength through six games instead of just the last two, then maybe, you know, we can think about sort of this concept of, you know, who should be favored, maybe Tampa should be favored. Right now, I don't have a series price available on this just yet. I'm sure probably by the time the end of this podcast, and by the time this podcast gets sent and published and is in your feed, maybe we will have that. But based on these ratings, right, my neutral number is Carolina minus 104, Tampa Bay plus 104, which effectively means, you know, with Tampa Bay, excuse me, with Carolina having the home ice advantage for game seven, that the series price should be minus 112 for Carolina and plus 112 for Tampa Bay. Now you're sitting there and you're going, listen, if Tampa Bay is plus 112, I'm absolutely going to bet that. And I completely understand it. I will too. And that's why it's fundamentally a little bit easier here because if either of these teams has a plus in front of their number, from a series price standpoint, or really from a game to game standpoint, in a lot of cases, obviously game one being in Carolina, I would expect, right, this number to look something like Carolina minus 120, Tampa Bay plus 100, right? Like that's the type of number that I think is here, because if it goes any higher than that, if it's minus 130 or minus 125, and Tampa plus 110 plus 105, you're going to bet Tampa in that game, right? So why sort of 
you know, test that, if you will. If this is somehow Carolina as an underdog or an even money play in game one, then I think you have to bet Carolina in that situation, right? So again, straightforward in that we don't know what the number is going to be, but if it's plus on either side, then that's certainly something that we have to look at. We've got more good news. We didn't even have any bad news necessarily this time around, but we've got good news. We've already got Carolina plus 150 to win the Central Division, right? And why did we do that? Because we were felting, we were felting, we were feeling pretty strong uh, about Carolina's chances to beat Nashville. Now, did that get dicier than we thought it was going to be? Yeah, absolutely it did, right? But we also didn't really know what was going to happen with the Florida and Tampa Bay series, right? It's easy to look back and be like, well, of course Tampa Bay won that series. But again, we've talked at length about how that series was maybe closer than most people think. And even going into it, we weren't really sure what we were going to get out of Tampa. And so if it happened to be Florida in this matchup, then Carolina was going to be a heavy favorite. And now we'd be all about our plus 150. And I'm not saying that we're not about our plus 150. It's still going to be the best price out of anything available here going into this series. I'm just saying that it could have been better in the same way that the Boston one, right, ended up being really, really great from a relative um, value standpoint. So, you know, sitting here with Carolina with home ice advantage, game one, you know, again, I'm fine with just kind of rolling with that. Talked about the game price and what we would do. Again, either team anywhere near even money um, is worth a shot in these games that I believe are going to start on Sunday because Minnesota or Vegas going to Colorado is scheduled for Sunday as well. And you wouldn't already schedule that if you didn't have Tampa and Carolina scheduled for Sunday. So again, haven't seen that official probably is as I'm speaking, like being announced. These are the types of things that happen um, during the morning when we do this podcast, which of course brings us by the way to Minnesota and Vegas tonight. And whomever wins that game going up against Colorado in the next round. Now, call it my own personal reverse jinx, if you will. Um, but I've already penned, if <laughs> penned, I've already uh, uh, spreadsheeted Vegas into the next round. Now, I will be happy to delete them, right? That's why it's a reverse jinx, right? Make, give yourself more work for the thing that you want to happen tonight, which obviously is a wild win. So I've got Vegas in my spreadsheet, built out that number. That number is Colorado minus 162 for any game at even or at uh, neutral neutral site. Obviously, you know, add to that number for when they're at home, something closer to like minus 180, minus 185, something like that. And for the series, that sort of extrapolates out to Colorado around minus 300. Now you're sitting there and you're going like, well, the price won't be that, right? Colorado against Vegas won't be Colorado minus 300, you know, Vegas plus 240. Like that's insane. And we talked about that before this uh, playoff started, right? It's why we grabbed, again, Colorado Stanley Cup because our values, uh, our valuation makes them, you know, a valuable bet in basically every game and every series that they play. Same thing with plus 125 for them to win uh, the division, for them to come out of the division. Always sounds weird when I say win the division as if we didn't already have a regular season where we decided who was actually going to win the division. And so you're sitting there, you're going like, well, the price isn't going to be Colorado minus 180 in the game. The Colorado is not going to be a minus 300 favorite. But pre-playoffs, like it would have been insane. But is it now? Right. Like after we saw what Colorado did to St. Louis, when there was at least in the marketplace, some, you know, um, support for St. Louis. I mean, not really in the marketplace as far as people betting it, but just sort of in the world, like people were like, oh, that's too high of a price. Like, how could you think that, you know, Colorado is a 90 plus percent to win this series and all of that sort of stuff that was out there in social media. And so now that we've seen, you know, Colorado truck St. Louis. And now that we've seen Vegas and Minnesota play really evenly, which again, by the way, that's what we predicted would happen. Now you have to feel like Colorado being a heavy favorite here makes a ton of sense. So I wouldn't be surprised if those were the numbers, right? And if, and based on what the market has done here, where we have seen every time Colorado opens as you know in anything they get bet up and it doesn't really matter what the price is i mean i suppose it does but it's just the price is always too low and so i think this is one where you know as soon as this price gets put up you're going to want to grab colorado if you haven't already grabbed the plus 125 that we grabbed for the series price again i still think there's going to be value i'll you know tweet this out if it's sort of you know necessary over the weekend um, because obviously you won't have a chance to talk about it on the podcast between now and then Meanwhile, 
right? Vegas was a 57 in our rating. Minnesota was a 56 in our rating, specifically 57.2 to Minnesota's 56 and a half, right? It's why we grabbed Minnesota at all the prices that we did, because we thought to ourselves here, based on these numbers, that this you know, these two teams are relatively even. We have watched them play six games, and I don't care if anybody wins by six goals tonight. These two teams are even, right? They are just even teams. Again, if Max Pacioretty was around, maybe that'd be a different story, but it is what it is, right? So again, going forward here, how much is the price really going to change, right? How much if Minnesota ends up winning this game tonight, is Colorado going to be that much greater of a favorite should be that should they be that much greater of a favorite right so i have colorado minus 170 i have colorado minus 320 in this case right is that too high right i don't know that it i don't know that it is right again if colorado and minnesota play and it you, you know you look it up and it says minus 350 for colorado and plus 300 for minnesota like are you dying to bet on minnesota at that point you know i don't know that you necessarily are and so really that just kind of pulls it back to you have to think less of Vegas because of what we've seen of them against Minnesota, right? And so, you know, take the jerseys off of Vegas and put, you know, just random black jerseys on them. And it's just going, you know, like the two teams are just too close. But because we think of Vegas as this team that is more of a contender than Minnesota, we think it's more outrageous that Colorado would be some heavy favorite. So don't be surprised when you see this number open really, really high. But again, good news is we've got Colorado plus 125 already. As for the North, uh, we get to talk about that on Monday. And we're either going to talk about a Game 7 or we're going to talk about a new series on Monday. But the point is we don't really have anything to say about that as Winnipeg sits and waits for whomever they're going to play in the next round. One fun thing that I wanted to do after the first round, but again, the way the schedule works and jams us all up and we don't have a podcast Saturday or Sunday. And we're not quite at the level where we need to do an emergency weekend podcast because of it, because it really is, you know, we know the games that are going to be played on Saturday and Sunday. It's not like a game on Sunday is going to automate, you know, pop up out of nowhere but i wanted to do a first round con smythe favorites right and essentially take each team that advanced and and say okay well who would be their con smythe winner if it was just one series so we're going to go through it here we'll start with boston very coin flippy right in your head right now who do you think boston's con smythe trophy winner would be through the first round there's kind of a lot of answers, right? Like David Pasternak sort of felt a little bit disappointing. He obviously had that one sick goal. Six points for the series. Pretty good in five games, obviously. Charlie McAvoy, Patrice Bergeron had five each. Obviously, McAvoy is a defenseman. That's really impressive. But isn't the guy that everybody was sort of focused on, Marshawn? right? He had three goals, no assists, right? So he still only has three points. And obviously, Rask, we've talked about as that series was going on, pretty shaky throughout right so it's not like he was necessarily the guy so there's a lot of vote splitting going on with boston which is kind of how we looked at that going into the playoffs wasn't it like we didn't have anybody in on boston in the portfolio because we rather just take the team to win the stanley cup because we're not trying to predict you know one of four or five guys that could actually do it and none of those guys were taylor hall that i just mentioned by the way right who would have been sort of a popular play potentially for the con Smythe. so again massive vote splitting across the board there the islanders who did we say we thought would win the con Smythe if they go and win the stanley cup and i suppose in theory it's still possible but the answer to that was Semyon varlamov right and now he's not even in, he's not even on the team like i mean he's obviously sitting on the bench as the backup goaltender but he's not even a candidate and so sorokin certainly a possibility at this point he obviously won all of the games for the islanders here but beauvillier would be sort of the top guy from a skater standpoint right and if he keeps scoring goals um key goals no less um other guys bailey and nelson like all these guys are sort of splitting that all up so it's funny that it would be funny if the islanders and i don't know if funny haha is not the right word um but it would be funny if they won the stanley cup and sorokin won the con Smythe given the fact that like Varlamov was our guy based on the premise that the goaltender for the Islanders would have to, you know, obviously excel for them to win the Stanley Cup. Uh, Carolina, uh, our guy, Dougie Hamilton, big goal last night to tie the game. I was, you know, MVP chance were happening in my house. Uh, maybe not. Um, Aho gets the overtime goal and he's got five goals for the series. 
he's got to be the guy, right? He is the guy after round one. But again, fundamentally, don't worry too much about it here. We're only talking about one-fourth of the route, um, you know, for these teams. And Tampa Bay, Kucherov, leading scorer in the playoffs. Obviously, he's, you know, right there. Kalorn, Stamkos, right behind him, though, from a scoring standpoint, right? And that was a highly offensive, lots of scoring, uh, you know, lots of goals in that series. So that, you know, a lot of guys on these teams both Florida and Tampa Bay were putting up pretty good point totals, especially with Tampa Bay's power play clicking the way that it was. And there we see Victor Hedman, by the way, only, what, three points behind Kucherov and obviously a key element from a defensive standpoint as well. Colorado, no shock here. McKinnon's got to be the guy. That's why he's the favorite to win the Conn Smythe right now. He's plus 300 to win the Conn Smythe. His team is, what, plus 260 to win the Stanley Cup. Again, I would still, again, I'm not saying bet 260, you know, Colorado to win the Stanley Cup, but like I still would bet that instead of the plus 300 because again, we are just one fourth of the way through. Rantanen could be the guy. Grubauer could be the guy in this next round. Uh, Kale McCarr is a guy who I still think could be the guy both in the next round and overall. Uh, Vegas and Minnesota, hard not, right, to take either goaltender, right? There's, I mean, Mark Stone, certainly an, uh, an element for Vegas, but Fleury just too amazing, certainly early on in the series as they built up that 3-1 to one lead. And Talbot would be the reason that, they, that the uh, Wild move on if they happen to do so. Um, I don't know that he was necessarily amazing, uh, but Connor Hellebuck, I think, is st was still the best player in that Winnipeg Jets series. Obviously, a bunch of different guys scored, which, again, was part of the handicap going into the playoffs uh, with regards to the Conn Smythe. So he's certainly, you know, quote-unquote, winning that first-round Conn Smythe. Uh, the Leafs, William Nylander, right? Like, I mean, Jack Campbell, certainly a possibility. Obviously, didn't do a ton necessarily to help his cause yesterday, though neither did Nylander. But, you know, four goals in this playoffs is obviously something. So at least at this point, he would probably be the guy that I think most people would give the con Smythe of the first round to. Uh, Carey Price, right? If they steal this series, you know, if they some, somehow pull that off, it's going to be on the back of Carey Price. So fun little exercise to just kind of go through and go, okay, well, some of those are ones that we really expected. Some of those are interesting because you know, we expected kind of anything with regards to having, you know, four or five different candidates. And then in the case of like a guy like Beauvillier, you know, how much of a long shot would he be if he was still able to kind of keep that going for three more rounds? Um, last thing in the hockey department here, got to do a little update on the wheel. High drama in the wheel, storming back to at least respectability here over the last little while, going, um, you know, the plus one and a half were what? I think they've lost two out of their last, doing some quick math here, six and five, two, 11 and two in their last 13 on the plus one and a half. And even that has only brought them back to a minus 6.2 on the plus one and a half. And so 25 and 17 are plus one and a half haven't gone the way that we had hoped, but here's the fundamental thing. It's a blame St. Louis situation, right? Talked about it a little bit last week, or at least earlier on in this week, where St. Louis goes 0-4 on plus one and a half puck lines. And so instead of 20, if you just you know got rid of St. Louis and ignored St. Louis, which would have been something that we could have made an adjustment for, based on the fact that, again, Colorado has value in any way that you bet Colorado and if that happened, you know, if we had sort of targeted minus one and a half, then we would have stayed away from the plus one and a half. But the rules are the rules when it comes to the wheel. You have to do it for every single game, even if it sounds like it's the craziest thing you've ever done in your life. The average price um, for wheel bets was minus 191, right? So that's going to be, you know, need to obviously be a lot lower if we're only going to be 25 out of 17. But if we were 25 and 13, I shouldn't say 25 out of 17, 25 and 17. If we were 25 and 13, right? If we didn't bet the blues at any point and we were 25 and 13, that equals out to exactly 65%, which is exactly the amount that minus 191 is right that's the exact win probability or implied win probability of a minus 191 so it really was fundamentally the blues jamming everybody up there losing 4.7 units of the 6.2 units lost uh in that case and so even if they had just gotten one that would have gone along uh, a long way in helping the wheel as for the no right and remember this as a reminder team to score first wins no, you know, usually falls between plus 180 and plus 190. It goes 14 and 28 
so far in the first round, obviously still a couple games to go for minus 2.7 units. Now you go, okay, not ideal there, but that was kind of always going to be the case with the way that the season, or at least the playoffs, I should say, started. And it's been 14 and 28 overall, but five and eight in games that went to overtime. And so you go, okay, well, that's a pretty similar percentage. But when we get to overtime, we're a 50-50, right? Like, you, you know, we're a 50-50 when we go to overtime. And we're five and eight. Uh, 15 overtime games altogether, two of them were scoreless going to overtime, so obviously there was no scoring, you know, no team to score first. The team that scored first won the game um, in overtime. And so the difference being here, three overtimes in that first weekend, right? Remember that first Saturday and Sunday where all those games went to overtime, one of them went to overtime scoreless. That was, what, Minnesota and Vegas. And those other overtime games all went the wrong way for the no. They went... What Boston, Pittsburgh, and Washington all came back to tie it after not scoring first. And that's the difference because when you look and you go, okay, minus one, or excuse me, minus 2.7 units, you go, okay, like, what would we, what would we have to do to make that back? But when we're talking about a bet here that's one unit for 1.8 units, it's literally one game right? If one of those overtimes goes the other way, instead of being down one unit, you are up 1.8 units. And that's the difference. So if we go one and two in those three games on the wheel, right? Or on the no, I should say, you'd be at even if we had gone two out of the three, right? Now, all of a sudden you're up 2.8 units. So it's that sort of that big of a sway back and forth on sort of, you know, how you can make that back too, right? Like, cause there's still obviously plenty of games tonight. If the no cash is tonight, you're right back to even from that standpoint. So again, right? Like sometimes it's just bad luck, but you're getting yourself in position 13 times with a coin flip game and you're getting plus 190 in this situation. You could very easily have gone eight and five. There's no reason why that necessarily wouldn't have been the case. As for the down O2, in the first 25 minutes, right? Remember, this is a live bet. When a team goes up two to nothing in the first 25 minutes of play, you bet on the team that is down two to nothing. That has gone two and six, but because it's a heavily, uh, you know, odds, you know, juiced up type of a thing here, two and six has actually been really profitable because Winnipeg was plus 500 after they went down two nothing to Edmonton. The other one was Vegas plus 350 cashing. So when you cash both of those, now all of a sudden you're up two and a half units, six units to the down and eight and a half units to the up. And you've got two overtime losses in there as well. We literally had one last night with Toronto plus 210 going to overtime after being down 0-2 early. And the same thing with Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay was even worse because that one was, uh, what, 5-3. to three. They took a 5-3 to three lead before blowing that lead. So they were down 0-2 and then up 5-3 to three and then lost the game 6-5 to five in overtime. So again, Tampa at plus 240 in that one. Toronto at plus 210 in that one. You know, big difference makers for an already profitable um, down 0-2 bet. And so the down 0-2, up 2.5, the team to score first no, down 2.5 two or 2.7, right? So those are basically break even. It's the plus 1.5s that just took a really hard, uh, rough turn in the middle patch there because they started out strong and they finished strong. There was just this sort of statistical outlier where they went like three and doing some more quick math, three and nine over the course of 12 games in the middle there. And obviously St. Louis was the biggest issue there. Good news is St. Louis not walking through that door. We don't have to worry about Saint, the St. Louis Blues getting beat up over and over and over again as we go forward in the NHL playoffs. As for the NBA, remember that? Yeah, uh, last night the Bucks absolutely smoked the heat, joked about it yesterday. Um, really glad that we got minus one. Really glad that we played the money line instead of the spread because you know you don't want to you don't want to risk uh, lose <laughs> having the Bucks only win by one point. They win by what twenty nine points, almost thirty points in absolutely crushing the heat. The Lakers win outright. That's the other piece of good news as we move forward with our series price that we played. Frankly really, really well, if we're being honest, um, to get the position that we are in with the Lakers. And then there's the unfortunate part. And this is one where, you know, I tried to make it through this game, couldn't do it, woke up this morning, and it really felt like Casey at the bat. You know, the old, is it a poem? Is it a story? 
Is it a play? I don't even know. Uh, but Casey at the bat, right? Mighty Casey strikes out. The mighty tro Portland Trailblazers, our guys, not only don't cover the minus four, they don't win outright. And now they're down two to one to the Denver Nuggets all of a sudden after winning, you know, that first road game. Felt really good about it. And now all of a sudden we're in trouble here. But we go down with the ship. You know that we go down with the ship. And so we'll talk about that here in a second. But first, we've got to talk about tonight's games. Knicks and the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, this one's up to minus five. I'm still on the fence about whether I'm going to play it or not. Follow along at BetSperts um, for if I decide to do that or not. Because again, fundamentally, I want the Knicks to win one of these games in Atlanta and win their game five at home because we want the Knicks to get to seven games here. That's really our fundamental core purpose for this series. And if we can try to steal wins here or there, over the course of this series like we'd like to um but now that we're up to minus five it's a little bit dicey even though i think tonight atlanta wins i think new york's best chance is either to win uh game four certainly I think that's their best best chance or even game six more than i think that they can win necessarily tonight uh brooklyn and boston that line's minus eight i don't you know people go like well maybe boston will get one i just don't see how that's a thing i just don't see how that's necessarily possible um but I'm not looking to lay eight points on the road. Like I know it's you know still probably Brooklyn's to win relatively easily. That's just a no for me. Speaking of no's for me, Clippers and the Mavericks, interesting game. You know, I think just fundamentally more interesting than it is necessarily to bet on. Clippers minus two and a half. Obviously, we talk about the Clippers being who, you know, this team that they're trying to show us who they are. But I don't know that I like this concept of Dallas is going to like sweep them or obviously sort of take a 3 nothing lead here. So basically how I'm going to play this one, I'm not going to bet it tonight. When we get to Sunday, I'll tell you why I'm not going to bet it tonight. Saturday, back on the horse with a bunch of these teams. Milwaukee, interesting. It's moved from minus 1, obviously got to minus 1.5 to minus 2 yesterday. Now all the way up to minus 4.5 because this Heat team stinks. I didn't even think Milwaukee was that good last night. Right. I mean, obviously, defensively, I suppose you could say they're good. I just think Miami just missed a ton of shots and Milwaukee just could go through the motions and just shut them down and win that game by 29. So I don't know that minus four and a half is particularly scary here either. I think I'm going to play that tomorrow and just expect the heat to just kind of go off and, uh, you know, and go home, um, you know, having. Listen, last season was a great season for them. I obviously was not the case for them at any point really this season. So, you know, is what it is. Uh, Portland still minus four. Again, right, they lose at home, but the number doesn't change because the number is just not going to change all that much. And this obviously becomes that sort of desperation, do or die, blah, 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 blah. Um, that being said, right, you know we're going down with the ship here. Portland minus four. Uh, Philly and Washington, Westbrook questionable. Um, I'm going to make a popcorn joke there, but that's not really all that appropriate. Um, uh, I just like, why, why would I bet on this game? Like, what's, what's the purpose of betting on this game? Like, I suppose if he doesn't play, like, you know, they obviously don't really have that much of a chance to win, but would that be like the craziest thing you ever saw that Philly just kind of tanked a game? Not obviously on, in, on purpose, but you know, they just didn't necessarily show up or shoot well or anything like that. Just two teams. I don't really, you know, I haven't wanted anything to do with them this so far this series. And that's certainly not going to start, uh, in game three, uh, Memphis, Plus five in, yes. Home Memphis game three, yes. Plus five, I'll I'll take that. We'll 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 do our best there. Uh, Sunday the Lakers minus six and a half at home. Doesn't this feel like the Suns now have sort of a writing on the wall situation? And it's pretty much all entirely based on the Chris Paul injury and just kind of being like, we just don't have it without him at full strength. And you know who knows? Even if he was at full strength, who knows if they would still have it. So Lakers minus six and a half, I think is probably still a pretty good bet come Sunday. Uh, and then we get the games that are happening tonight. You know, their rematches or the next game in the series happening on Sunday. Um, if the Knicks lose tonight, I will be betting the Knicks on Sunday. And so, again, part of tonight is, all right, what am I going to do with, you know, what happens here? Uh, Brooklyn and Boston, again, shoot that series into the moon, to the sun, any sort of orbital situation that you'd like. Um, and then Lakers and Dallas or excuse me, the uh, Clippers and the Dallas Mavericks. Whoever wins game three tonight, I'm going to bet that team on Sunday. So Mavericks win tonight. Clippers obviously go down 0-3. Is this the heart of a lion <laughs> type team for you? I don't think so, right? I think that's a give it up 
type of a situation. If the Clippers win tonight, now we've got, you know, obviously them showing that they are certainly are there. They're engaged here, that they can win on the road, you know, even minus three and a half, minus four and a half, something along those lines. Again, we'll have to sort of see what the, you know, level of play necessarily is. I know it's kind of hard to believe at this point that they would have some great outing here, but you never know. So again, whoever wins tonight, I'm just betting that on uh, Sunday. Uh, and then from a future standpoint, a couple little ads here. Do we want to do we want to add a little to the Portland Trailblazers at plus 170 right now? Sure, why not? Again, if we're going down with that ship, we might as well. And the Memphis Grizzlies, plus five, right? And, you know, I might dabble on the money line there. But at plus 475 on the series price, right? Small investment, large gain potential there for the Grizzlies. Let's do that. We talked about it with Sheldon the other day, right? To wait for game two in order to get a slightly better price, knowing that, you know, again, Utah's probably going to win that second game. They ended up covering. But again, highly competitive, lot of scoring for Memphis, certainly not an issue for them to, uh, you know, get points in Utah, which, you know, it's kind of important when we're talking about road games. So Memphis plus 475, certainly worth a shot there in the long shot department. Again, because I think we're feeling pretty good about some of these other bets. We were feeling a lot better about Portland up until the last couple of days. Speaking of Sheldon, he's back on Monday to recap all of this NBA stuff. I'm going to do a better job of watching some of these games, just not Washington and the Sixers. Uh, and then, of course, North Division, right? North Division Game 7 or the North Division Finals, I guess is what we're calling it. Who knows? Um, but, you know, long story short, a ton to recap over this this weekend. Uh, it'll be crazy that tonight's game that I'm really, really excited for, right? Minnesota and Vegas will feel by Monday like it happened a million years ago right? Like it will feel like it was just so long ago. They will, you know, whoever have won will have played an, another playoff game in another series, in another city, <laughs> you know? So like, that's pretty crazy. Um, but you know, happy Memorial day, everybody. Again, we'll ha we do have a show on Monday because we're Canadian, because I'm working for you. Um, we do have that. Maybe we'll find a day off at some point next week, but again, you know, as we keep cranking these series out, no rest, no rest for the weary. As always, do me a little favor, Memorial Day weekend. Subscribe, rate, review, and share the podcast. Hopefully, we keep the hot streak going here for the playoffs. Until Monday, I'll see you at the window.